about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Hey, you know what that sound means. It's worst gig ever. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm Mike Pace. Hi, guys. I'm Jeff Garlock. (laughs) And this week, our guest is Megan Nuringer, who is a comedic actress. Yes. You may recognize her from her work on uh, Best Week Ever or on At Midnight. Yes. She is a stand-up and a a regular actress. She she does it all. She's a very hilarious woman. Yes. And she she brings to the table... A great worst job story, mm-hmm. working for a tour group in New York City. Imagine the worst elements of like a Times Square tour thing combined with improv, and uh, you're if, only if you a hate third interacting with people. Then you would hate this job. This is a this is a fantastic story. She also gets into her adolescence and talks about being a Jewess, mm-hmm. which I can say being a Jewy. I, I myself, can't, so I'm not you cannot. going to. But there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. Hey, you know where there's also some good stuff. Where's that? Oh, and all the back catalog of Worst Gig Ever. You can check that out at worstgigeverpodcast.tombo.com or you can go to our iTunes. Check out all of our old episodes. They're all fantastic. They are. Or you know what? Go to our Facebook page. We got a Worst Gig Ever Facebook page. We got an email. Check us out. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know any guests you want to do. What is that email, by the way? At gmail.com. Or you can check us out at Twitter. We got Twitter at Worst Gig Ever. At Mikey Pace, at G Garlock. Right. So many ways. And hey, you know what? Also, uh, maybe leave us uh, a rating on iTunes or a review. We That'd love that fantastic. kind of stuff. You know what else is fantastic? What's that, Mikey? These new tweaked audio headphones. Oh, I've, I've been, been listening. About these I've been listening to all of my music and all of my comedy with my new tweaked audio headphones. How's Elton John sounding on those tweaked? I'll audio tell headphones? you the Elton John 1978 LP, A Single Man, which I just actually transferred from LP. To MP3 doesn't sound so good because I was only doing mono, <laughs> but the idea is that it sounds great. And if right. you go to tweakedaudio.com and you type in the promo code worst, you'll get one third off of your offer. Uh, your offer. What am I saying? What are you these? Saying? These headphones are so great. You'll get one third off of the price of a pair of tweaked audio headphones. Any lifetime headphones guarantee. They got. Lifetime guarantee. They got great stuff. Are you kidding me? What a deal. Let's give it up. Those guys are sponsoring this episode. Literally, let's give it up, guys. If you're listening to this, clap. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. That was my dog, Baptiste. <laughs> Without any further ado, here's Megan Nuringer. Unworsking ever. Ado. A couple of years ago, probably around 2010, um, I was asked to audition a bunch of Upright Citizens Brigade improvisers were brought in to audition for this new theatrical experience called The Ride. Ooh. And I was one of those improvisers. They wanted to bring in a bunch of comedians mm-hmm. who were quick, you know, quick thinking uh, to do this sort of Times Square tour bus was all that we knew and that we would be like performing 
as the tour bus for tourists <laughs> made its way around certain landmarks, you know, a little bit north of Times Square and throughout the city. And the guy that had brought me in was um, a guy named John Bobby, Bobby. Um, and he was a comedy guy. And so he had sort of picked out people. I guess he'd been l- going to UCB shows and was picking out people he was brought on by, like, the ride was scout. group. With yeah. a name like that, it's got to yes. be involved in comedy. Exactly. John, John Bobby. And <laughs> this was turned out to be a motherfucking shit show. <laughs> uh, it went from being, like, this cool thing that, like, performers could get paid to do. Like, when it started... They had no show and sort of no idea what they were doing. Right. So we would come in and it started expanding rapidly. It was like, oh, are you doing this thing? And then all of a sudden it was like, at a certain point, I felt like 90% of the people I knew who improvised were at rehearsals being paid like $40 an hour Mm -hmm. to just (laughs) sit there and be like, and then we're going to talk about facts about the, (laughs) you know, Columbus Square. And then we're going to talk. Um, and it very quickly went from like, yay, comedy, like, I'm a funny girl, I'm going to improvise, but also learn facts about New York, to they turned it into like the cheesiest, most <laughs> humiliating, uh, I, I want to get as many specifics in as I can, like, Please. I feel like there's a part of me that's sort of repressed so much of the memory <laughs> sure. because it was like so enraging. Right. You got to work through the PTSD they, of it. Yeah. They ba- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they basically like handpicked comedians who were good at improv to then it went from improvising and being funny to they brought on like this director who was this, actually this guy who went to my high school. <laughs> he, was this, uh, he was a few years older than me and he was a Broadway director and he was extremely pretentious like theater director <laughs> and not a comedy guy like just a (laughs) vacuum of humor and he was there to like repair the script in the show and for some reason even though he's from my hometown and knew that i'd been a performer for life he hated me and my comedy (laughs) and i and i guess it was like a mutual hate because i was like this is cheesy and not funny and he was there to like repair it and make it like the show better and like Uh there were costumes and we were playing like scientists like new york city scientists (laughs) uh you know telling our tourists all about like this is the place where oh the man kissed the woman after world war ii like v-day and then they would have outside actors like reenact the kiss so it was like an interactive thing so just for me like because i actually saw the ride the other day and was trying to explain it to my wife and i'm so so excited you're talking oh my god so it was the bus itself was like uh, all the pastors sat on the side, right? And then there was a weird stage? Yes. So for our listeners, yeah. um, beyond Googling the ride and then <laughs> stabbing yourself in the face because of what you see shall not be seen, uh, it was a giant bus where it drove like a normal bus, but all the seats were stadium seats sort of sideways. Right. And the, and the windows of the bus, it was like full like windows and ceiling was windows so they would be driving in traffic for some weird car sickness midtown traffic looking at the city (laughs) right and yeah let me give a description of what is and then as the tour guides me and a a male ride scientist Uh, (laughs) it's not an awkward way the guys were like scientists in jackets and the girls were dressed like dumb stewardess we were <laughs> not scientists we were like oh we i didn't go to 
college. <laughs> I studied at Princeton. Like that that was yeah. the gender breakdown. This is sure. how like this is how creative the ride was. Right. Um and then so as we pointed out things in New York City for the stadium seating like you'd be driving past, it would line up with a dancer doing a dance or someone stopping the bus. Excuse me, uh, I'm new to New York and, and I, I'm just trying to get to a Broadway show. And suddenly she'd break out in a song and be like, Broadway. <laughs> and we'd have to act like it was spontaneous and then be like, oh, and here are like some food carts. Food carts have been a huge part of like, a, you know, New York City history. And this is halal food. Uh, halal food is uh, what uh, Muslim people eat because they're kosher. Like you weren't even allowed to say that. Like that's something I would have yeah. liked to have said, but like. You couldn't have any fun. Um, and then, like, some guy would come by and, like, rip his pants off. <laughs> Pay attention, folks, because somebody's going to rip their pants. Like, it was so – but, you know, I feel like it was very appealing to most of the UCB people who did it is because it was, at first, like, this total gravy train. We were sure. getting paid so much money. We'd, we'd have I to remember walk. being shocked how everyone was doing it. After, uh, like, I, I was like, oh, you're – what is – I kept being – like, because I didn't know. I was just like, what are you – but just logistically, though, how like how many performances were there? How long was oh it supposed God. to be for? Like, was this like a like a like a, you were in a play essentially? Like, basically, my involvement, I feel like it was for like eight months, and all of those months were basically rehearsals. Right. Like while they tried to like figure it out, while they almost went bankrupt, they kept turning over people. They kept like firing like the main guy, and then like there'd be a new person, and they'd be like, "Well, oh, we're cutting your pay. We're cutting your pay. We're cutting your pay. We're cutting staff." People were getting fired, and then I they fit me for the outfit. I got my like costume. I did a couple of rides, and then like it was like a combo of like kind of like all my shifts not happening anymore like getting fired and me just like not wanting to do it like i didn't ask for any shifts and i didn't want to cover right. people's shifts i was just like this is garbage <laughs> right i i carry a great shame when i do the ride right. like i didn't want to do it so it was like a mutual this is not working yeah. i think you know i had a kind of like psychotic enthusiasm which was like you know when i would do the ride but again like my I still was trying to be true to like, I'm a comedian. I want to make it funny. Right. And they didn't want it to be funny at a certain point. The concept of funny wasn't really there. Um, we had to sing Silent Night, Holy Night <laughs> in utter seriousness. Like the kind of, they wanted us to sing it like so that it would bring a tear to people's oh. eyes. After one, we would go around like Bryant Park and they had the um, ice skating rink. They were okay. like, and now all you fucking improvisers. <laughs> Who like, this isn't even like fun karaoke. This is like, you're all going to sing Silent Night and you're going to get the tourists, the bus to sing with you. So you just be like, oh, look, here we are. Bryant Park. Silent <laughs> Night. Like, and yeah. nobody on the bus wanted to participate. Or sure. Um, that's and, the element that's so it's like my wife when I was trying to explain it was just like, it sounds like my worst nightmare as someone who doesn't want to interact with anything. Yeah. It was like being stuck in a bus. Yes. Also, you know, 99% of the tourists were like non-English speakers. Sure. It was like Japanese people with like a glazed look in their eye like, what is happening? There's just, Complex narrative. It was like way too many words uh, with way too many facts about stuff that no, people just wanted like the interaction and like to see like spontaneous yeah. shit happen on the street. And not even funny. 
in a way that like a tourist was, audience could appreciate. It was, it was meant to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they had one. They had like a guy who would start freestyle rapping. Like they'd get information about like certain people oh, yeah, yeah, on the yeah, bus. Yeah. And then they, we would like happen on a guy and he'd start like chasing the bus and freestyle rapping at the bus. <laughs> And actually, like, the freestyle rappers they had were good. Right. But it was always, I always felt so bad for him because, like, New York City is still happening behind him. And he's yeah. like, yo, and he is the bus. And did I have to say? And, like, here comes a guy and he's wearing a burka. What? Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, just, like, whatever came to his head. I was just like, if if there was ever a moment to, like, have any awareness of what we were doing. And I guess that's, like, the whole performer, you know, psychology of, like, you can't care or have awareness about what you're doing because if you did you'd kill yourself right. you'd be like everything i do is fucking stupid <laughs> but this one I, it was i could not suspend my disbelief enough for what it was to get a boner for it yeah you know it made me feel dead inside yeah. right but they were touting it as this like immersive new york oh. city experience you're <laughs> yeah. on the go you're interacting new york with real street performers it was supposed to be like so amazing it's gonna we're gonna bring it to other countries they're gonna have the ride in like india disney's interested we're gonna have the ride in tokyo p.s like those first months like they couldn't sell tickets they wanted the performers to busk and be like guys if you want to make some extra you should go outside and you should like you know go on the street like what you've been doing for years right. to avoid oh, being yeah. a like non-performing busker and get people to buy tickets. You need to do that. Right. Um, they weren't selling tickets. They were like, like get your friends to come. Like one friend will buy a ticket. They'll get a ticket free. Like they couldn't sell yeah. tickets. I think it might be successful now. Like I still sometimes still see the ride. I saw it pumping around. Yeah. Two days ago. No, this is not just just for for clarification. This is not the blue bus. Like this is a this is not. Oh like no. A, this is not a straight up <laughs> tour guide. Like, no. it wasn't, it wasn't under the guise of that. This is like. Oh, oh, no, no, no. The, the ride is so much better than that, than that blue tour bus. What we do is entertainment. We're entertainers and it is immersive and it is interactive. It's the ride and it's blazing into Times Square. Get on the ride. Like, what no. does the ride do with traffic? Sits there. Yeah. <laughs> like it interacts in traffic. Oh, yeah. It sits there. And that's where, like, I guess the improv comes in where you have right. to be like, oh, they would, oh, in order, <laughs> right. Then you'd have to, like, they started making quizzes for people to have, like, fake ride points. So that should there be traffic, you'd have to be like, oh, it's quiz time. So, like, how tall is the Chrysler building? Is it, like, bananas feet tall? Is it, like, 30,000 feet tall? And then, so the ride would become competitive right. for the tourists because people wanted to like win ride points. <laughs> and then they won, like there was no real prize. It was like a fucking t-shirt <laughs> or like a bad hat to advertise the, ride. the bad ride they'd just been on that sat in traffic. Ugh, it sounds like a living and nightmare. So like if they couldn't sell tickets to you, are, are there times where you're performing to like a half empty oh, yes. bus? Oof. Quite often. <laughs> yeah. Quite often. Yeah. They just, yeah, you, it was rare that it was a full bus. Yeah. Right. We got eight today, guys. Just, I think it's just so, it's also interesting because it does, it's like, you know, the reason probably why you did that is because it's the concept of a steady paycheck of do, but doing something creative. Like that's kind of in theory what you're like hoping for is you, you, you don't have to worry about rent as much. Right. As day jobs go, like, you know, 
what is like the spectrum of prostitution, right? Right. right. There's no dick in my mouth. Right. I'm I right, but like, how do I feel about myself after I do a right. ride? Like, not good. Right. How many showers do you have to take oh, right. after each? Like, ride? how much rocking back and forth? You know. Um, a lot of rocking. Right. You know, it's funny because it's, it's, it seems like it's one of those classic only in New York right. scenarios, but I was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we would say that a lot on the ride. That was like a key That's phrase. So, yeah. so my wife and I were in Alaska this summer. And we were uh, going on this riverboat tour of uh, – it was in Fairbanks. Uh-huh. And basically what it is, it's like a one family owns the whole town. And they do this riverboat tour. And it's the same kind of thing where like you're going down and there's this old-timey guy and he's telling you all about the town and, you know, how the – you know, how people really made it out in the frontier. And then you can see off on the on the banks of the river. And if you look over to your right and then this gaggle of, you know, reindeer – are released. You can see the person like <laughs> as they run out. Ow, and, ow. and then, you know, on the other side, there's like this uh, Eskimo boy who is like, you know, <laughs> scaling fish and he's got a headset on and he's talking. Oh my the, God. Yeah. They're, uh, they're passing it off as this kind of like, and it was, and it also had this subtle undercurrent of like Republican conservatism right. that was like, in our uh, river, they just spent $6 million to get a Democratic telescope, you know, in the water. <laughs> and they said, yeah. only in Alaska. Exactly. So this is this Very bullshit is, is all over the place. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the idea of like magical experiences and when did I first become cynical? And like, am I really being like such a critical bitch to like poo-poo it? But look, how did, you know, would I enjoy myself at Disneyland? Probably. Would I want to work there? No way. Right. You know, like. Right. I wonder if just taking the ride and not being a performer, there is like you're cringing less, but I don't know that any performer could go watch the ride or be on mm-hmm. and not feel bad for the people sure. on it. It's not like a cool New York thing to do if you live in no. New York. Hey, let's go on the. Uh... No. Yeah. No, no, no. So, no, how long no. did it actually last? The, how the long, ride? No, how long were you involved with it? I, I can't imagine more than like eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. But the better part of a year there. But it's, like, yeah, but like four to five of those months were like, I'm not even kidding, like rehearsals. Right. How many days a week were you rehearsing? Seven days no. a week. No. <laughs> Twelve hours. Sometimes like three or four. Right. Yeah. Wow. You know, there were shifts. Yeah. You'd watch each other rehearse. Right. Hey, you know, Jeff, why don't you come up and pair with Megan and <laughs> take a ride? Jesus. And then like the director from my high school would like watch and evaluate. And he was like such. He was like such a fucking. He was, he was such a fucking underminer, you know. He was a fucking. He was a fucking, uh, no, fu- was a fucking underminer, you, you know. He was, was a fucking. A- he fucking undermined people on that bus. Yeah, he played favorites, and he was a fucking underminer. He undermined me. But did, were you guys in? Were you guys in high school at the same time? Was he like? Do you he think- was older. He was. Um, I think he was a senior when, mm-hmm. or had just graduated okay. and I was a freshman. So there wasn't really this kind of like re- he's getting his revenge finally all no. these years later. No, he's just <laughs> he's just a fucking honor. <laughs> yeah. you know? No, I'm kidding. He was just like, you know, we were not compatible, which is mm-hmm. fine. Uh, uh, you know, if you met him, <laughs> I think you'd understand. And that director? Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and he's, Martin Scorsese is fucking undermined. Yeah. But, and he made the ride worse. Well, you know, hey, he is, he is the voice of New York. That is true. Only New York, Martin Scorsese. Uh, uh, that sounds terrible. 
I've had a lot of really bad jobs, uh, and that one was really bad. Like, well, what's interesting about that one is that because it combines the comedy, but it's also it sounded like it was essentially a day job. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you'd have like shifts, you'd have day rides or night rides. It really wasn't my source of income. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is cool. I had been approached. Like, I think what like really bothered me about it was the initial premise of it, of mm-hmm. getting to improvise and getting to be collaborative. Like all the promises of it, right? Were kept like everything got chipped away and then we're going to pay you this and that got chipped away it was just like it became more and more toxic and i think that was really a weird yucky experience like nothing was really honest about it like you could have a shitty job where you don't like the performance or the play or the you know the material that you're doing that's fine right that happens to everybody Mm -hmm. but this was like uh, the whole combination of like i don't like this material and it's like really weird it's a really weird environment and they're taking things away every single time little pieces chipping and chipping yeah um yeah but i i wouldn't say like oh it supported me and kept me alive and then it was done you know back to ramen no it was (laughs) (laughs) and all the while while you're doing that you're also doing stand-up and like auditioning Um, things like that when was this? This was like around 2010. I I didn't really do stand up yet. I was deep in deep in improv mm-hmm. land um on a team. I think I was doing a show. And what else was I I hadn't done pilot season yet, but I was always auditioning. I was yeah. like doing commercials. I had a bunch of writing jobs. Mm-hmm. Um I would always be like write I would get like writing gigs. And auditioning and commercials. Because like, I remember seeing you on Best Week, or n- not Best Week ever. Uh, um, I like I love the. Yes, I, like, I did a lot years, but yes. years before that. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of Talking Head stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on the recent. Um, oh, speaking of pancakes, <laughs> <laughs> I was on. Perfect I was segue. on the first season of Best Week ever for the reboot. <laughs> right, uh-huh. right. The reboot <laughs> felt like it had a little. The heart wasn't there. <laughs> I am. Well, you wouldn't be the first person to say that. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that was also a tough thing. Where like, uh, I think you know, so much of it is, enth- is enthusiasm, right? And right. I, uh, and I recognize that. Like, it's so hard to be enthusiastic. It's like for something you don't respect that right. much. Right. And that was a uh, the case of the ride. It's sort of like getting dumped by someone you weren't into right. and that you were going to break up with them. Right. And then and they dump you injury. first. Like you weren't even like having sex anymore. Right. But like you felt like, well, they love me. Like it's fine. And then they, they like dump you and you're like, well, well, hey, what? But I was going to dump. <laughs> Wait, well, take me back. Toxic right. relationship that I didn't want to be in. You know, it sort right. of ends up feeling like that when you lose gigs yeah. that you don't like. But I feel like that just, that's kind of the natural order of things. Like when you don't like it, you mm-hmm. tend not to do as good a job. Sure. It shouldn't continue. Yeah. You should be forced to move on and yeah. like develop the kind of material or the kind of job you want that you would be enthusiastic about because then you'll do a better job. Right. Uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. It almost feels like in some ways you're, it, yeah, you're trying to like work to be mentally there while you maybe recognize that earlier. At least that's how I right. feel. Like, you know, so that you're not just kind of like, well, eventually they'll get rid of me. So then I can just like, you know, Instead of like originally just being like, you know what? I don't like this and I'm going to be proactive right. about leaving. Mm-hmm. Well, that's well, the thing. You never want to be in the situation where someone makes that decision for you. you right. Want, you always right. want to leave right. on your own terms. Well, but I think that a part of living in New York City where it's like 
very expensive is a, a lot of people exist in the passive aggressive hatred mm-hmm. of their jobs where like I can't quit I need the money yeah it's a good thing but like I'm not gonna give anything to it right. like yeah right. the bare minimum right, right. yeah and then which when, then is counterintuitive to your living right. because you're spending at least 40 hours a week if you're doing some day job just like giving it away like, it's yeah. like, well, I'm just like that, you know, that certain point when I would, when I realized like, oh, I'm just literally looking on the internet for 40 <laughs> yeah. hours and I'm, and it's in the allure of getting paid to take a nap on the toilet during a temp job or during some shitty office job or but, something isn't there yeah. anymore, you know? Yeah, totally. It is interesting though when you're on that threshold and like you have, you have to make money, you have to have some kind of income, mm-hmm. but there's, they're continually are carrots dangled in front of your face in terms of, well, I have to go after this opportunity too. I'm saying like when you, let's say before you're doing comedy writing and maybe, you know, you're doing something else, but then you get the, there's the opportunity to potentially do something you want to do and you kind of have to pursue that. And it's a balance. Yeah. I didn't really describe that very well. The idea of like you, you're in the stasis of, well, I have to keep doing this until maybe this falls into place. And there's always like a dangling carrot going on. It's weird. Like, I don't know. I, I've been working my whole life. I've always had jobs. I've always been very interested in making money. I love it. <laughs> um, very Jewish. Um, but I, lo- I really, I, am, yeah. I love making my own money. I love it. I love to be an earner. Were you a uh, bat mitzvah? I was. All right. Mm-hmm. Did you have a theme to your bat mitzvah? Uh, my theme was I'm having the latest bat mitzvah out of everybody in my community. <laughs> you had and a night And everybody's party. over bar and bat mitzvahs, and it's just like a <laughs> last-minute thrown-together party. So I'm the only person in my family who didn't have – so I'm not the only person in my family who didn't have a bus. Bat mitzvah. Oh, right. It was okay, it, it was good, but it was like by the, I'm my, the youngest. And it by, wasn't a brouhaha. No. By the time my, by the time my parents were – into giving me a bat mitzvah and the community, I was like, yeah, that's fine. We can have like a little catered adult party at the house and then like, right. you know, a night at the Marriott, right. <laughs> you know, with no, with people who don't want to dance with me. Right. I'm just inviting them. And then I had to have like my bat mitzvah dance with like both of my brothers. This right. is just a question for all of our Jewish guests. Yeah. yeah no, we, we always like to talk oh. about the, the, uh, bar bat mitzvah theme. I had a tasteful luncheon for mine. And, oh, and really? We went, yeah, we did not have a theme. Went on a big family trip that summer. Oh, nice! I it was wa- a big deal. Yeah, I, wa- I always want. I always wanted to go to like North Dakota, South Dakota. Like I wanted to go to the Midwest because I was. <laughs> that's so not Jewish. I exactly. Well, that's that was my the dad's promise. Not the Jewish. West. <laughs> the promise of the West, which I, I talk about often on the on the show. Nice. So we didn't. We forewent the theme and just had a tasteful luncheon at the. At not, it wasn't a country. Club. It was a country club. We didn't, but we were Jewish, so there was, we weren't allowed to belong, but they had, they let us have the <laughs> thing at the golf course. Um, so, I mean, back anyway. to that, I mean, as you said, you, you know, you, you, you say you like, like making money, yes. but like, is that like, I mean, that is something like, obviously we have to do anyways, but it is a driver. Like, is that a, a large thing that always drove you or like, is there, you know, also like fear and. Oh know, yeah. Well, that. I, th- it's funny. I feel like some people don't care about making money. Like right. I definitely have friends who are like really artsy and like, it's really not about earning. It's like just doing. Creating. And, yeah. And like, I've always, you know, I really try to merge both. I'm like, I would love to get paid at what I do. And right, so I've always tried to do that. Even young, like I just am like, I'm going to work and I'm going to make money. And I feel like, wait, why did we bring this up though? Why did I bring up making money? Jewish. Because <laughs> no, no, it, dri- it, it drives oh, you. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, right. Oh, so talking about like 
I think it's important to be hungry. Mm-hmm. I have like friends who I was, I'm from a very wealthy community and my yeah. family wasn't as on par as many people in mm-hmm. our community for sure. Um, and I feel like in some ways, like, that kind of competitiveness or the, I, I just wanted to have really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like, oh, I might not always made me very interested in working and making right. money. Right. And I feel like part of like me doing well has been that like I was hungry, like I wanted to hustle. Right. So like, um, in a lot of ways, like I'm trying to, to teach myself now that like, it's okay to like not be in a job if it's not like paying you. Right. Or like if it's not, I'm sorry, it's okay to like get out of a job if it's not, um, fulfilling. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and, and be hungry now for not just like making the money at it, but like things that will put you further yeah. in your career. Right. Like now I'm hungry for like the kind of career experiences that will lead to like, a different kind of fulfillment. Sure. Right. But it, for a while, it was like hustle for like, oh my God, like I'm just going to work and I'm going to yeah. like amass and right. have security. Where did that hunger come from originally? Like, I mean, you say you performed forever, but like what, like, cause there, you know, I've got plenty of friends like my, in my suburban friends who don't have any hunger. Right. <laughs> They're just kind of like, no. oh, in school, doing whatever. I, it's so weird. Like, and it's funny, like I couldn't have picked like a more masochistic career to mm-hmm. want to make money in. Sure, like yeah. it's so backwards. Like I could have just been a great lawyer. Right. You know, but I'm <laughs> right. just like, eh, I'll just like do the hardest thing, of the course, most yeah. competitive thing right. and then try to yeah. get rich that way. Right. Cool. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I literally have been making money since I'm like seven years old. Right. <laughs> yeah. You'll deedle deedle do. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you making money at, at seven years old? At, I uh, sold sunshine sales door to door. Sunshine uh-huh. sales was this like catalog and it was stationary letters, cards, stickers. Just there was a, a time, uh, in the late eighties uh-huh. where there were like these catalogs and you could either, and you would sell them and you could either make commission like $2 on each thing you sold or you could like go through the toy catalog and pick out like for whatever you sold, you'd get points <laughs> yeah. and right. in those points for like toys and crap. And I like knew immediately. Right. I was like, I'm doing this for the commission. <laughs> <laughs> Every sunshine sale I do. Ruthless. I'm going to take the $2. <laughs> I'm not taking their made in China crap. I know better. <laughs> And I was also very savvy because there was a very lonely woman in our neighborhood oh. who was housebound. She wasn't old. She was just obese. Right. And Morbidly obese woman. Morbidly Ooh, obese. Yeah. She was actually delightful and charming, sure. but she was lonely and housebound. And she was an heiress. Oh. So she was sitting in her home with money to spend. And I didn't know this. I just found this out by trying to sell her sunshine sales, knocking on her door. She like bought out my catalog and I sat and chatted with her. And then every time a new catalog would come back, come out, I would just be like, I'm going to her house, sell out the catalog, sit and chat with her and be like, I am rich. I like tasted that sweet green. And I was like, Mm-mm-mm. This one's a sativa. This dollar bill's an indica. I am high on this money. And, and I, I was like, this is cool. Right. Wow. My, I, I guess my parents gave me an allowance, like when we were all little, me and my brothers, and it was like a dollar or two dollars. Sure. I remember like when the ice cream truck would come, they were out of money. Right. My parents were like, what'd you, what'd you do with your allowance? They're like, this Bennett. <laughs> and I was like, I can buy two ice creams because I have sucked it away. 
I literally have been called Jew by like every boyfriend. <laughs> right. be like, you are a goddamn Jew, <laughs> saver Jew. And I'm like, who's not in debt and who paid off her college tuition? Right. Like, yeah. right. Yeah, I've never, I, I've always been being a non-Jew, but I also yeah. like have never been a big, spe- I like to, to hoard. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 that being said though, those catalogs, I remember those catalogs and even as a child thinking, who the hell has the gall to actually do that? Like I could, did not have any self like, uh, confidence oh, to be yeah. forcing myself out. And like, so the way I made money was I had a metal detector and you and found it. No, I yeah, I would go when my dad was a football coach, and I'd go to the football games, and I would both collect cans. Oh my god, you hobo! Go, yeah, and go under the bleachers because people would drop change. But that's like actually, that's like a good hustle. I made yeah. a pretty good. That's job. a good hustle. But I would not do those catalogs. Those catalogs seemed um, so scary to you me. You didn't want to engage and interact. I didn't want to talk to anyone, even right. as like an eight year old. I didn't want anyone to be dealing with me, and I didn't want to deal with them. Yeah, see, it scared I, the I, crap out of me. My first gig, so to mm-hmm. speak, the earliest time I can remember making money is my grandfather paying me to pick up the leaves in his backyard. I'd always did these kind of manual right. labor gardening. I go, I garden the side of this guy's hill for like twenty dollars. I filled some guy's swimming pool, oh, and, and with a buddy and I, what? we filled. How? We because they had like the um, uh, bladders of water yeah. on the side. You know, they emptied. That's, and, a, that's a nice phrase. Bladders right? of water. That's what they had. Bladders of water is a beautiful we, book. Yeah. All I remember about this is my friend Jay and I were about thirteen. This was, we were getting really into music at the time, yeah. and so we fit, we said, with our money, we'll each buy each other a CD at Laserland. I'll buy oh you God. a CD. And Jay that's by, and like, so romantic. So, that's what I did be, with my friend so Jay, as well. Jay. That's how you get more music in. Yeah. Like, I'll buy the Guar tape and you well, buy the Fugazi tape. Oh, see, so you no. Know, Jay bought me Brian Adams, Waking Up the Neighbors. <laughs> oh. Which had like 16 songs on yeah. it. Another, and I can't remember. I think I bought him um, a David Sanborn <laughs> jazz record. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. I'm painting this really great sto- story no, no, no. of like, you know, all of this stuff that I've, that I've done. I mean, you know, this is great. Between that and my bar mitzvah at the country club. You're a beautiful man. I am. <laughs> no, like industriousness, yes. right? Like, in, yeah. Um, so why don't you, um, uh, why don't you hit us up with, the, with, a, with another worst gig? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, Worst case, I've, I really did, I mean, I babysat all through high school, but that mm-hmm. was good. I had a family that I babysat every weekend, and they would drop me off at parties after, and I'd make like 50 to 60 bucks, which is like a lot Whoa. in high school. And wait, you went to parties in high school? Y- like, yeah. I certainly did go to one party <laughs> in high school. Well, like as opposed to like your group of friends, like a group of 13 yeah. boys sleep, having a sleepover. Oh, no. We had like parties in the woods with like keggers. We had like uh, bomb well, parties. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like high school was like everybody lost their virginity except for me. Right. I was like not really into drinking, but like I loved the boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, one day I'll get fingered. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Did you do it? Did it happen? Did it happen? And that day? You know, I'm like trying to remember if <laughs> my first fingering was high school or college. In um, the woods sounds like I a, think maybe a... I did get. Didn't, did you get a woods finger? finger? <laughs> did I get finger? I did. Oh, I definitely didn't get fingered in the woods. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Um, yeah, there were parties. Yeah. No, but like babysitting was cool and the kids were cool. I did get in trouble for letting them watch a horror movie one night. Ooh. I was like, yeah, we should definitely what watch movie this. do you remember? I don't. I think it was like, a, it wasn't like Suspiria, but it right. was like an old, like classic, uh, like actually scary. And yeah. I was like, this is cool. 
and the little girl couldn't go to bed. And I, I, I mean, I run into her mom. So, and she's still like, do you remember when you let my children watch a terrifying horror movie? What kind of judgment was that? And I was like, I was still 14 years, 15 right. years old. Um, a child myself. Yeah. You should not have been left with your children. Yeah. You're giving me sixty bucks. You're the crazy one. Sixty yeah. bucks. Yeah, they were wealthy. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> they were, they were one of the wealthy ones. I don't think their kids. Were, <laughs> they I don't think out. their kids babysat <laughs> in high school. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> They'd give out the big candy bars at Halloween. Um, the, I okay. Oh, so one of my high school. I have so many. Like I worked at a. I worked at an amusement park for two summers. Doing okay. what? Because so did I. I was a performer. I was a singer and dancer, a sing, a stage singer and dancer. Really? Oh, my God. This story is like so bananas. <laughs> it's, it's almost like a cliche. But mm. so my brother, my older brother was a musician and he was in like the marching band mm-hmm. of Playland Park in Rye, New York. Of course, with a bunch Playland. of yeah. The yes. meat puppets played there in like yes. 2003. <laughs> this okay. beautiful old like 1920s yeah. like Americana landmark park yep. in Rye, New York um, that I like adored when I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Playland was heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my oldest older brother, Kier, what, played saxophone and in like this marching band and they had like th- this, you know, main stage show of singing and dancing and they would truck in the trashiest, like, 21-year-olds from, like, Texas and Canada to be in the show. And they would let them live in a house and rye, and all those people would fuck each other. It was, like, just a house full of, like, 21-year-old, like, singer-dancer performers <laughs> in the show. Yeah. And they were, like, the trashiest people. Um, I'm Darlene, and I'm from <laughs> Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> And, and and I'm gray, and I'm from like what's that other place in Texas? Like oh, El Paso, Texas. <laughs> and they were having sex, but then like Darlene like ended up having sex with the other guys. And why did I know this? Because they had an opening for a dancer, and I was a dancer in high school. Right. And my brother suggested me to the manager. He's like, my sister is a really good dancer. Um, how long's her hair? Oh, <laughs> like the first question is how long's her hair? Because you had to have hair that was like. Down to your bra strap. Right. Okay. Um, and my hair was long. And so I auditioned and I got in it. And I was suddenly immersed in this like, br- like hormonal broil <laughs> of like Texans and Canadians. <laughs> and I'm like 15 year old virgin who right. like loves to dance. Um, and Carrie's a dummy mic because I was not a good singer. <laughs> For the listener, is that just the microphone that was not on? The microphone that I used in the show was not on. Oh. <laughs> okay. For my first summer. It was clear that I was like not a good singer. Right. You know, really good dancer, cute in all the outfits. Um, and we would do six shows a day, six days a week. Oh, Jesus. Wow. In 90 degree weather for like, you know, parents and their semi-abused children because when it's hot and like you're spending lots of money you're like hitting your kid right um and you know i thought it was awesome i thought i was the fucking coolest i was like i'm getting paid to dance i am a performer at playland rye new york i am a professional they are paying me here's how much they paid me six hundred dollars a month wow it's like military wages yeah that's pretty good I was performing, let me remind you, <laughs> six shows a day, six days a week. I would get there at one. I'd be done at 9 p.m., 9.30, $600 for the whole month. But I worked for three months, and I right. was like, 
you know, come September, fucking rich. I bought the ugliest boots you could buy. (laughs) Um, And I did it the next summer. Right. There was like a magic show and I was like the girl that they levitated because I was the smallest. And let me tell you, it's not magic. It is deeply painful to look like you're levitating from a broom. (laughs) It involves like crazy shit with your crotch, holding your body straight. Um, And then the next summer... I had cut off all my hair. Oh. Like senior year of high school. I I like looked like a cute alternate lesbian. Right. And when I got there, they were like so mad. <laughs> they were so mad about the hair. Um and then It was that, the first question. There's a reason yeah, they asked. Yeah. And that summer their whole theme the first year had been like a fifties show, which was cool uh-huh. and fun and cute and magic. Poodle, poodle skirts. Yep, totally. Mm. Super cute. Johnny Rockets esque. Yeah. Like, uh, I think um <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It was like these sexy like strip outfits the first summer, and oh. then a, and then a magic show. Second summer, it was what, a strip year old. What does that mean? You, you it means strip it off. No, no, no! It was like dresses like Vegas that were like uh-huh. in little strips. Oh, so when okay. you twirled, you could see your flesh. How old were the other dancers and singers? Like twenty one to twenty five. Okay, I'm just like, what are you doing you in, these fucking in the house, outfits? Jeff? They were yeah, like fucking. They were right. like come over and hang, and I was but like, you were commuting from home. Right? Oh yeah, I was like, a I know better. B like. <laughs> Even if I was of age, like you're all like riddled with like the <laughs> right. HPV that I'm gonna wait to get. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just postpone that a few years. Um, no, and then the second year it was this country show, Branson Nights. Oof! It was a whole country <laughs> theme in Branson. Westchester, New York, Westchester Rye, New yeah, York, right. where they're trucking in people from the Bronx, right? <laughs> And putting on a fucking country show, brands and nights, brands and nights. And that's why my mic was off. Um, won't you come and join us down at Branson tonight? Like, it was, and this was the summer that I got like sexually harassed by a stalker oh. who he worked at the park and he worked on like one of the rides and he was like always coming by. He's like, I just love that Megan. I think he was like a little bit on the spectrum. All right. Uh, he didn't talk much. He just like loved to watch. And I don't know how this happened or how my parents allowed it, but at some point, this stalking ended up with him asking me on a date. He was like 28 years old and me going with him alone in his car to like the Nine Inch Nails David Bowie concert in like, in, in like New Jersey. Yeah. I don't know how I was like, he's nice and, and he's going to take me to the show. And I like was deeply creeped out by him, but I was like, Nine Inch Nails and David Bowie. Yeah, are you, pretty good taste. Are you yeah. are you kidding me? Like, um, so I went and I like pretty much just like had like elbows out the entire time. <laughs> right. and got Protective home safe. Movements. Wasn't like murdered. Um, yeah, that it, Playland was like so insane. Yeah. Did you enjoy Playland after working there? Or Never went you, again. Yeah, right. you, the uh, Adventureland, which the movie was based on yeah. a couple of years ago, is, is actually on Long Island, like 15 minutes from my house. Oh, really? And it was definitely like, probably makes Rye Playland look like Tokyo Disney or something. Right. Yeah. It was like, you know, hot asphalt. Right. Just <laughs> like six rides. Ugh. You know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of summer romance going yeah. on. Yeah. But, uh, I, 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 he's heard, but I worked at Amusement Park as well as a oh, character right. animal. Uh, at Lake Compounds, the How oldest was... family theme park in America. In, uh, in where? In uh, Connecticut, right? Connecticut, right next to ESPN. Oh, it's wow. Right I've been to that at ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I was a character animal there. How many Minimum years? wage, just one summer. It's terrible. I had to do a bunch of like uh, out, out of park 
experiences, aka I went to the mall for a WB event. Did uh, you did you have a girlfriend then? Got uh did I <laughs> Did you have a summer romance? I love the my, knee jerk reaction is God. God no. Uh <laughs> my no, I had no summer romance. My uh long term high school girlfriend and I had broken up uh. not too long before. And I was in a bad place. Uh, <laughs> you literally inside like a hot costume. Yeah. But we had our own uh, dressing room. And it was just me and Jay Green, the singer your, of my band. Your friend Jay, yeah. Yeah, Child who was just, uh, we sat in the room together silently. Because we were <laughs> running out of things to say to each other. <laughs> the thing that I love about it was terrible about both of these stories, which I didn't have because, you know, I was gardening on a hill yeah. at this age, is that these are like classic yeah. American adolescent. It was the tales. one year where I was like, I'm going to not work for my father on the su- in the summer at his warehouse. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to get a great job at an amusement park. And then after, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm never going back. Like, uh, like it's terrible. Like, jobs would just find me. Like, I didn't seek out Playland. Right. I didn't seek out. I, I worked for two years at this, like, half thrift store, half, like, homeless person depot <laughs> called Yesterday's Best. Like, in Westchester, like, in a nice yeah. town. Right. Like, this guy had set up this shop where he wanted to make, he, like, somehow, like, had come into, like, all, like, provider of like bags and bags and bags and bags of clothes (laughs) and the shop had a basement and it was just like literally like a garbage dump of clothes but up top his mom also had like the supply of like paloma picasso like designer bags and he was like i want to make a store where like women can come in and like buy these bags and then like also i want to sell like clothes by the pound for like toothless like (laughs) crazy people So he was like, somehow I got involved and I became like the shopkeeper girl and I would like do the windows. And then like, so I was like, and I would like play my like fucking cool high school music. And I was like, I have made, I'm like working at a thrift store and this store is so cool. And then like, I'd have to like lead people downstairs and be like, put clothes in a bag for a pound. Like, so like cool people would come in and I'd be like, yep, we've got, those are some designer bags and here's like an outfit I like made. And then be like, literally have to like escort people out and be like, you can't stay in here. I'm sorry. You either have to buy something or go. I heard there's clothes by the pound. Well, there is, but you're going to have to buy them or leave. So that was like a really weird job that I didn't even find or apply. I was just like, would the like I would think like really cool kids in your high school would go buy the like I would try to like oh clothes for by the pound sure like, getting into like thrift store stuff would yeah. have been like my amazing. high school was like thrift store stuff was not cool hmm. it was like the cool kids wore like designer mm-hmm. cute clothes right and like the alternate kids like the um like stoners you know they wore like thriftier stuff mm-hmm. um. And I was kind of a go-betweener. Right. You know. Or an interloper. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my friends would make fun of my shoes and call them Forrest Gump shoes. Like, run, Forrest, run. Because, like, they were, like, my cute, like, man shoes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That my friend. But, like, I thought, like, my style was, like, so dope. Because right. I was just, like, wearing, like, baggy cords and, like, a man's shirt and, like, John Fluvog, like, yeah. Forrest Gump shoes. Uh-huh. And, like, my girlfriends would be, like, you don't look right. <laughs> You're and I was like, get on this. I was yeah. like, get on this. Yeah. I had to retake my senior photo because I cut my hair and it was super short and I wore a black turtleneck for some reason. <laughs> so like there is some senior photo floating around where I look like a very sad lesbian. <laughs> and right. everyone was like, you have to retake that. You have to do that again. You can't. You can't. That's not representative of who you are. So reality bites. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about, um, I guess like, you know, the comedy and how 
you know, because there's obviously a, a very theatrical side mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what you do too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess making the transition from doing improv into stand up and like how all the chips fall. Oh. They may. I, I will. I feel so bad though. I feel like, oh, that's, uh, allow me to bore you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you want to know how I got from like improv to stand up? Or how'd you even know? How'd you get into comp? Like, how did you oh. make the shift to comedy? What brought you to this? A super world? coping mechanism, I think. I'm the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I had like a, I had a pretty tough childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always interested in performing beyond just like having like an upsetting childhood, but I was like the ham of the family. Mm-hmm. I was like the very youngest. Um, and I just like loved to make my dysfunctional family laugh as a stress relief. Right. Like it was, I found that, oh, a way to make, you know, things tolerable is to be funny. So I started doing that. Um, but like being funny wasn't a commodity in mm-hmm. high school. So right. I was like into poetry and writing <laughs> and like acting. And I didn't realize it was funny till I got to college. Right. And I like hit college. I go to Wesleyan and all of a sudden, like this group of like 10 guys falls in love with me. <laughs> they were like all friends. And because I was like the funniest person they'd right. ever met. And I never experienced that. Like, let me tell you, like I was like a virgin. I, was, I didn't get attention from guys. Like I wasn't cute in high school mm-hmm. or like I was fine, but like I, I right. wasn't uh-huh. like, you ain't gotten your shit together. Yeah. No, I was like very intense and like, I don't like drinking. I like to write poems about the guy who's like not into me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I got to college and I was just, I got this positive reinforcement immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I'd just have lunch with like this group of guys and they'd be like dying. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> Megan. And I was like, this is addictive. <laughs> oh my God. Dr- this is my drug. Right. Yeah. So. And my friend Aaron was on the college improv team. Like there was this like big improv team and he was hilarious. And he was like, you got to try out. You got to try out. And I refused. And for four years, I never did improv. I would go to the shows and I'd watch them and I was terrified. And he was like, you're the funniest person I've ever met. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And I was like, "Ah." I didn't want to be bad at it. I loved feeling like I was so funny. Right. And knowing that, that I couldn't risk finding out that I wasn't good in front Mm -hmm. of these like packed audiences. Like being on the improv team at Wesleyan was like, you were the coolest. Right. Those shows were packed. Um, Was it also like you had control over like, yeah, these 10 guys who were like at your beck and call and like, well, that ended like that ended after the idea that like, it had been established. Yeah. Yeah, It was like, it was, it was like, I got attention for something that Mm -hmm. I'd never gotten attention for it. And, well, you know, ultimately, like, that crush didn't really last right. for them. The the feeling of it, like, oh, they like me because I'm funny. Right. Um, was, like, inc- an incredible feeling. Right. So then when I graduated, I had a real regret. Something in me was like, you pussy. <laughs> right. You just went four years with, like, a really funny friend being like, why didn't you do improv and never trying it? Like, are you stupid? Right. Like, what? Who are you? Like, that's so dumb. Um, and so I immediately signed up for UCB. Mm-hmm. Were you I'd aware say, of UCB before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we would watch it. We knew, we knew the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go to New York right. from Wesleyan to, like, see shows. So we were like, oh, my God, like, you know, Amy Poehler. You right. just worshipped 
them and Besser and Matt, the mats. Like we just like, um, and so when I was back in New York after college, I was like, I can't be scared. Right. So I signed up. Right. Um, and then I just drank all the, (laughs) all the fluids. I drank all the UCB fluids and (laughs) I never looked back. Right. Uh, and, and, but I, I think like, you know, you've, it, you, you got to it how you had to get there. Like, I mean, I think I have those times too where I'm just like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done yeah. in college. Like, oh, I should have made. Of course, but well, that's that, uh, but, hindsight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I mean, you, you're at your illustrious state now. Well, so. it's funny. I feel like I should have started stand up earlier. Like I right. put off, I was always interested in stand up and I was always writing stand up jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was too scared to do that. Like I, I really, that fear delayed me up until like two years ago. Sure. Basically. And then I finally, through Twitter, actually realized I was like, people like my jokes. Right. I'm writing jokes and people like them. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they come to stand up through Twitter now, which is like also like depressing. Sure. Because like, <laughs> do we really need more? Like people are just like, and uh, like transferring Twitter <laughs> right. jokes to like live. It's like so different. Yeah. Sure. Um, but because I'd had an improv background and was comfortable performing, I think I like to, th- like it came easier to me. Right. I wasn't just like, um, uh, <laughs> uh but did I do ha- wish I'd done it a lot sooner. Did you have any bad stand up gigs? Open mic, whatever they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, Bombing, right? Yeah. So I, I don't really, I, I really am kind of very amateur about it. I, mm-hmm. I, don't pursue it in the way my boyfriend's a stand up mm-hmm. and he's profesh. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, if he doesn't perform in a day, right. it like kind of makes him crazy. He likes, he really works it and he's right. got to be, you know, doing shows all the time. Right. And that to me is like a professional stand up who's constantly making new material and performing it and, and working it. Right. Um, for me, it's like, I like to have a show a week right. or a couple of shows a month, like right. doing the mic. Um, and even now, like I've started to get bummed out. I'm like, I, I haven't really worked on new material. Like I'm not testing it. Like I have, I worked for like the last like eight or nine months mm-hmm. on a set that I wanted to do. And now I feel like I have that set and I've performed it a bunch of times and it really, it does very well. Right. Um, and now I'm like, well, that's annoying. Like every time I get asked to do a show now, like it's that set. I want, right. I want like, I want to double it and have those jokes be as good as the hat, you know? Right. So anyway, so, uh, my boyfriend, went to Minneapolis for mm-hmm. some shows, this club shows this summer. And I went with him because I'd never been. And I was like, cool, like I'll just go and we'll stay at the Mall of America. Right. And we'll, I'll watch you do these very well-paid club shows. Right. And he was kind enough because I have partnered with someone who thinks I'm the funniest person ever. Oh, like, it just makes you smile you every day. Uh, he was like, why don't you do like open? You know, he had like a opener, right. like two openers. He was like, but why don't you do like five minutes? Mm-hmm. I was like, really? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, you're so funny. Like, but I'd never, I've only performed in like New York and LA, like right. al- alternative room or yeah. like indie rooms. Yeah. I'd never done like a club in the Midwest. Right. So the first three shows, I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. They love it. I'm like, I might be a prodigy. Because <laughs> up until this summer, I really had never bombed. Right. Like, I'd had like, let's say, like less enthusiastic shows. But pretty much I was like, people love my jokes. Right. And they like the way I tell them. <laughs> Feather in my cap. I'm yeah. going home. <laughs> See you later. Yep. 
and then the final night, I have this audience of really angry, fat Midwestern moms. (laughs) And I didn't know that they were angry, but I knew they were fat and Midwestern and that they were moms. (laughs) But like, who cares? Like, I just want to make people laugh. Right. And I really don't in my comedy, like I think that the it's on the performer to perform and entertain. And like I never want to be the kind of performers like, fuck them, they don't get me. Like right. my job is to make them laugh. And if I'm not, like that's something I need to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like you're gonna have bad rooms and like close-minded people, but ultimately like I'd rather challenge myself to do the better job mm-hmm. than feel burned like fuck them, they didn't get me. I've got nothing to learn from this. Like right. so but I, they were a room of like they, fat, angry Midwestern moms. Like that was the case. It's just a fact. I'm not going to blame them. You no, know, of I'm course not. not. Um, and I started my set, which I never do. I was like, hey, guys, like awesome. Like great to be here, you know. And I, I said some kind of joke about New York, mm-hmm. being from New York. And, and it got like a, uh. And I was like, oh, oh, you don't like that? I was like, well, you know, I'm from New York. I can say whatever I want to say. Meaning like I I have like a fucked up sense of humor because right. of, but then when I said that, they were like, crossed their arms and rolled their eyes. Like now they hated me for being from New York. Right. Like I started my set being like, I'm from New York. I can say whatever I want to say. That's how they heard it. But in my brain, I'd been like, I'm from New York. I can say whatever. And we're all pals yeah. here. We're in, we're in the same kibitz. And they were like, what's a kibitz? Do you see how big this cross is around my neck? Um, Praise Jesus. So, so I just, I lost them with right. New York. And so forever, the rest of my jokes I could see that like losing it more and more. Like I felt myself start to have like the first flutterings of a panic attack right. because I was like, I, I'm not going to engage them. I'm not going to just do like crowd work. Mm-hmm. I want to do myself. Like I want to see if these jokes work in spite of the fact. And each joke, it got like more quiet. <laughs> I was like more sweaty. <laughs> I just, I like some of my jokes are kind of dirty. Right. And like, that usually gets a laugh, but even like the guys were like, now she's a whore. <laughs> now cool. she's a whore. Yeah. This is a, like, ugh. Girl. And like the other guy, like who subsequently went up, like he told like the dirtiest jokes and they like fucking loved him. Right. But like, I, I, you know, I said, I don't even remember which joke it was. And they were like, Ugh, ugh, <laughs> this this Jewish Jewess from New York is talking about semen. Oh. She's like, fuck her. And I remember that night I like cried to my boyfriend. I was like, wow, I ate it so hard. It feels so bad. He's like, yeah, that's like being on the road. That's like part of it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, but like, maybe I'm not funny. Like, maybe I'm bad. Like, I- I've never had an audience hate me right. so much. He's like, that's, that's the gig. Right. That's this life. I was like, no, 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 but you don't understand. And he, cause like he's bombed so many times. Like he, you perform enough. Like, of course you're going to bomb. Like he's been doing it for like almost 12 years. Like, of course bombing is part of it. Right. And that you just grow a thicker skin and you have resilience. But I really hadn't. Right. And so I was like crying. I was like, but they hated me. And, and I remember him saying, and I, and I love that he said this. He's like, what are you going to do? Quit doing stand up? Right. What are you going to do? Quit? Yeah. You're not going to do it? 
And I was like, no, that's, I, what? No, <laughs> no, yeah. huh? Of course not. That's stupid. Right. I'm not going to quit because these like fat moms from Minneapolis didn't like me. I'm just going to like, you know, not start saying I'm from New York and be alienating and find material for different rooms if I want to or just not perform in rooms like that. Right. And then like literally three days later, I performed at UCB Mm -hmm. stand up Mm -hmm. and it was like the best show I ever had. Right. I like destroyed. Right. I was like. Ah, the the drug is back. Right. Well, it's just, I think like, you know, bombing and stand up, it's such a unique thing. Mm. Like it's like, you know, bombing in an improv set, bombing in like you you at the very least have other people there mm-hmm. unless you're doing a one person improv, but that doesn't happen that often. Uh and it was the same with music. Like, you know, like it, it, it you know, when you you're bombing with a band, you've got your other bandmates and you also have an instrument and <laughs> noise right. yeah. protecting you. Like the when it's just you and a mic and a fat Midwestern woman with a crossed arm. I, I will say this: I, you know, my brother, one of my brothers is a musician, and I, I do, I can, I can empathize with like feeling like the audience doesn't love your music when you perform music. Yeah, but I, the kind of revulsion people have for if you're trying to make them laugh and you don't, right, is so intense. Right, nobody despises. A bad comedian, right? More, like, I mean, I mean, there is no kind of like despising something than more that. Than, uh, more yeah, than yeah. that of like a comedian who's failing. There's more room for indifference in music, right. especially yeah. in the club. You can wander away. Yeah. You can go to the bat. You can like get a drink. Like, you know, and yeah. if people aren't into it. You can kind of like have that. Just like, ah, oh, they just don't like this style you, of music. You don't have to pay attention the same way. No. Yeah, you, you not- say, you go, not for me, right? And you move on, right? You know. When you don't do your comedy well, people don't look you in the eye after. Right. Like they don't acknowledge your existence. They're ashamed for you. Right. It, it's like it's like um it's like you become a, a pariah. Right. In a way what that like she th- thinking up there. What would like, she think that that's it's a good like, idea? Fuck you for failing. Right. right. Like, oh, how could you think that I would like that? Right. It's a bad idea. If, and and it's so personally connected to who you are. Right. Like the stand-up, the performer is their material in some yeah, ways. Like yeah. for many stand-ups and performers, it's not. Yeah. It's their writing. It's a it's a persona. There's a lot of stand-ups who are like really are very different than their material. It's yeah. just a kind of character. But I feel like the audience feels like that's you. Right. What you say and how you say it and that idea that you're playing with, that's who you are. Right. So like, you know, if it's like a rape joke or something, it's like, you think it's okay. You know, if you're just toying with an idea. Right. And there's not many fields where what you're making is so connected to your identity. And yeah. it also seems like there's, there's more of a pronounced kind of defensive stance on the, on the audience side. Okay. Let's see you make me laugh. Right. You know, yeah. Arms crossed. They're, like there, there's, they're not prone to having an open mind as much as some other kind of like, you don't go to like, you know, a Broadway show to bring it back to, uh, yeah. and be like, all right, let's see if this <laughs> right. book of yeah. Mormon is really yeah. like, okay, yeah. lifetime movie, make me cry. <laughs> make me cry. Oh, you didn't make me cry? Do your best, exactly. Meredith. So, Megan. Yes. To bring this full circle. I hope we do. Question that uh, we ask all of our guests. Okay. What do you think of the word gig? It makes me excited. (laughs) 
Like, oh, do I like the word itself? Oh, oh however you would like makes to excited. answer this uh, We haven't heard that before. Yeah. Oh, a, a gig is like potential. A, a gig is like you got a gig. Like if what and gig, it's like you got a gig, which is like, oh, I'm just performing tonight at, right. at a, you know, on the Lower East Side. Or a gig is like, I just booked this fucking pilot. I right. got a gig. Right. You know, like climbing the mountain of whatever it is that you. <laughs> right. Your individual imagine. mountain. Yeah. Uh, no, a gig is good. And it's half like, full. There's a hint of optimism there, which yeah. uh, and it's like the first syllable of giggle, which is oh. my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and with that, look, you gave us all of these fantastic stories. A lot Thanks. of a lot of like growing up tales. I feel like you know a lot of ideas were exchanged. Mm-hmm. Real glance into Americana. Yeah, and it's, it's peak. Look, there might be a tour bus waiting outside to take you away. Oh God, I hope not. We all, called the ride. All Wait, want, the tour bus in the sky? Am I? Are you guys? Perhaps that's me? it. No. Well, let's. We'll talk about it later. All that means is that Jeff and I just want you to get home safe. Yeah, I want to too. There's like the Brooklyn Queens Expressway right here. It's hard to get to. I'm wearing heels. Worst gig ever. ever.